Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 101 of Unsweetened Sio, the podcast. Today, very, very excited to have Dan DeFigio with us. He's a well-known nutrition expert who has been featured on CNN's Fit Nation, The Dr. Phil Show, Self Magazine, Reader's Digest, Weight Watchers, Shape Magazine, and a host of other media outlets. Dan is the author of Beating Sugar Addiction for Dummies and the founder of BeatingSugarAddiction.com. So welcome, Dan. Thank you so, so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Siobhan. Thank you so much for asking me to come on your show. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this and really excited for you to share your journey and your story with us. So let's just dive into that. Kind of tell us a little bit about your own journey. Diving in. So I have been in the fitness and nutrition coaching field for coming up on 30 years now. Um, I'm 117 years old, so (laughs) (laughs) I've been at this a, a long time. And it became very clear to me early on that sugar addiction, uh, stress eating, all this reactive eating uh, and managing this kind of stuff was a real problem for a lot of people. So I guess when I started to get into the field and doing nutrition coaching, I assumed that like putting together healthy meals for people and doing that kind of coaching was gonna be the primary thing to do, but it turns out it's not. Why people eat is so much more important than what they are eating. What is easy, right? I don't need to teach anybody that a mixed green salad is better for them than a box of donuts. Everybody knows what they should, air quotes, should be doing, but we don't do it. And so I started this process of learning how to work with people around all the whys. And I write a lot and I was an early adopter to the internet. You know, I started doing this before there was really an internet. (laughs) So I have a lot of articles like posted up on the web and magazine interviews where, you know, magazines were interviewing me. So I was doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And then out of the blue in the early 2000s, um, the people who published the dummies books just called me up and said, we love your stuff and we want you to do a book for us. And I said, okay. So we batted around a few ideas and uh, beating sugar addiction for dummies was born. Which is amazing even. So what year was that? When the book was published? Yeah. 2013, I guess. So it's been out seven, eight years now. Yeah. Because that really, again, it's so hard to even... um get that we can't you know get it medically recognized that sugar addiction is a real thing so you know even now still working towards that i feel like it's gaining more momentum but pretty cool that you know 2013 and even before when they approached you that they were willing to publish this this book so yeah i think they 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 recognize that um it's a thing 
Yeah. You know, the, the Wiley company, which is the name of the company that does uh, the dummies books, they put out a lot of material. But one of the things I was really impressed with is um, they generally have a very good sense of like, what's a, what's a big deal and what's a real thing. And so they chase down experts in those fields um, so they can put out a lot of material to, uh, to help a lot of people. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And what an honor to be asked to write that. Yeah, I was, uh, I was very flattered. Still am, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. And I didn't even know, you know, there was, so when I started my journey in 2018, I, re, you know, I was trying to find books and that would have been perfect. <laughs> really would have like, you know, I just like the format of those books. I've read other ones. So yeah, I think that's such a nice resource for people to have that are just coming to terms with maybe being a sugar addict, what it yeah. means and what they need to do to get help. Absolutely. Yeah, you have a you have a very interesting story yourself. I'm glad that you have been willing to uh, to share it so much on your uh, on your website and your podcasts and everything. So good for you. Props. <laughs> Thanks. I'm curious, you know, just backing up a little bit is how did you decide because it doesn't sound like you personally have struggled with sugar addiction. Or how did you decide just even to get into that world of coaching? And, you know, it's so popular now, but, you know, back when you first started, it probably wasn't, you know, like what, what interest you, did you like? Yeah, exactly. Well, I actually, I come from a family of addicts. Mm. My, uh, my father was an alcoholic. My mother has food issues. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> so um, I have had that kind of behavior around me all my life. And uh, I've done a lot of my own personal work around this kind of stuff also. So I like to think that um, when you meld being able to, or coming from a place of service and trying to help people and teach people and lead people and having had all the experience that I've had, um, apparently I have something worthwhile to offer folks. Yeah, definitely. If you've experienced that and witnessed that. So yeah, that helps a lot having that experience. Well, I want to talk a little bit. I love what you said about it being much more important about why people eat, not what they're eating, because you're right. Like, especially now with the internet, information isn't an issue. I mean, you can look up so many, you know, there's so many books out there about nutrition. It's most people know what they should eat, <laughs> but why aren't they? Can we talk, you know, I'd love to hear more about, about that. Yeah, now. thank you for asking that question because that really is the big picture question, yeah. you know? And I'm a big picture guy as opposed to a tiny little detailed person. So I will always come back to uh, big picture stuff and how we frame stuff and, and big generalizations and concepts. So to sort of sum it up, sugar addiction is a version of emotional eating, right? Emotional eating is like this big umbrella that encompasses stress eating, sugar addiction, mind, all this mindless and reactive eating, you know, all these kinds of behaviors. So regardless of what it looks like, it's an emotional reaction. And you can actually say that about any substance, right? People use alcohol or drugs or gambling or sex or like whatever your thing is, it's still an emotional reaction. So it comes down to these 
what I have found to be two very specific buckets of reasons why people do this. If you're taking notes, this is a great, this is a great time to write down <laughs> the two big things. Bucket number one is a substitute for something that you really want from an emotional standpoint. Let's take, um, let's take a stress eating reaction, typical stress eating reaction. Somebody is at work and you know their kids were sick this morning and they started off the morning bad and they're overwhelmed at work and they're totally stressed out and their boss is yelling at them and their coworkers are nitpicking at this, that, and the other thing. You're just having a terrible day and the tendency is to reach for the donuts or the cookies or whatever's lying around. Well, that kind of an urge and a reaction and a habit is a great opportunity to uh, examine like what's driving that. And the question that I ask people or I teach people what to do is when you have that urge, that's your red flag to say, okay, what is it that I really want at this moment? And in a case like we just described, it's probably something like you want to be, you want to feel calm or peaceful or being in control of things because everything seems so overwhelming and out of control. So when you recognize what it is you're really seeking, then you can use your, you've broken that habit and you can use your grown up brain to say, okay, the donuts are not going to give me peacefulness, right? The food can't give you what you really want. So um, even taking like literally two or three seconds to just pause and examine what is actually going on and what you really want, that's enough to break the unconscious habit. So that's bucket number one for the copious note takers, <laughs> using food as a substitute for something that you really want. And typical reason number two, bucket number two, is using food or other substances as a distraction against uncomfortable emotions. We as humans are rife with unpleasant experiences, right? We all go through bouts of feeling uh, lonely or sad or angry or depressed or overwhelmed or having anxiety. I mean, there's just all these uncomfortable feelings that we have. And you, you know a lot about, uh, I've, I've listened to your podcasts, uh, you know a lot about like the structure of the brain. And so the amygdala in the brain is going to do everything it can to make sure that we stop feeling bad. And so it will override any uh, executive function of the grown-up brain, any decision-making, right? Just to stop the bad feeling. Well, as luck would have it, Junk food gives our brain something else to think about for a couple minutes and it tastes good and feels good. So like <laughs> it's a double whammy. So uh, way to go brain. You figured out <laughs> not only did you get us away from the bad feeling, but you gave us something that's pleasant also. So that works as far as not feeling bad for two or three minutes, but it's obviously a very temporary, a temporary problem or a temporary solution to a permanent problem <laughs> and B um, it has some very strong negative consequences from a health perspective too. So those are the two big buckets, substitution and distraction. Yeah, I agree. Which I one are you? Bum, bum, bum. 
I was both, you know, you as were both. talking about that, I can think of, yeah, examples. I used it for both, you know, and probably a lot of people do that, but it, especially with the uncomfortable emotions, I think that's one area that we aren't taught, you know, as kids and growing up is how to care for our own emotional health. So we're not taught how to feel those uncomfortable feelings. You know, most adults still aren't comfortable. It's something I still work on every day. Like, it's okay. Like I can, I can feel this. I don't need to eat about it. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of people can really recognize that in their own behaviors. And the problem with eating, you know, as a distraction is at least for me, it did take the edge off for a second, but then came the guilt around, oh, I told myself I wasn't going to do that anymore. And then, you know, so it maybe was like one or two minutes of that relief bliss even, mm -hmm. and then just all that negative beating myself up. Like, I can't believe I did this again. It was just, so it was just that cycle. Yeah, so you still have all the uncomfortable emotions that you had before, and now we get to pile shame on top of that. Exactly, yeah. 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 So this is, uh, you know, not a sustainable system. No. So de learning how to be with the discomfort is a crucial part of wellness and emotional healing. That's why I'm so glad to see um, on your website, you know, the, the work that you're doing with the emotional release Yes. That's, that's great work. Um, there's a guy here in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live, who is doing that kind of work too. And I've, I've gone to workshops and sessions of his, and it's really, really powerful work. So um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Do it. If you haven't got with uh, Chauvin to, to do this kind of work, please do. Click the link, book an appointment. It is good for you. I love it. Yeah, I, for me, it was just something that I found. I wish I had done it in the beginning of my journey. I think it had been so powerful, but I was about a year into it and found my practitioner. And yeah, I, I, it changed my life, like being able, and I still, it's a tool now I use for myself, but knowing how much it helped me, I really wanted to be able to help other people. Um, yeah, because again, we just aren't taught <laughs> how to deal with those uncomfortable feelings. And there are really so many different things that you can do. Um, but, and that's why I love teaching it to my kids. I'm really trying, you know, something different with them that they, you know, will ask me, oh, mommy, I might, I need an emotion code session. I'm like, yes. <laughs> nice. How old are the kids? five and seven. Are you serious? And they are that aware already? Yeah. Like even my five-year-old, I mean, I wanted to like cry with joy when I said she was having like a meltdown. And I said, well, what tool do you want to use? Do you want to do some breathing? Do you want, we do essential oils. Do you want to do some oils? And she just is like, no, I think I really need some emotion code. <laughs> wow. So there you go, mom. Yeah. And That's it's a good impressive. conversation then. Um, because, you know, the emotions that come up, like they might not know the definition. So I think it's a great way, even as an adult too, like we might say, oh, I feel sad or angry or happy, but there's so many other emotions that we're feeling at any given moment. It really helps to have a way to be able to identify them. And then, um, you know, with the kids, we talk about, well, what does that, like, what does discouraged mean? And I'll kind of give them an example. And then they think about it and say, oh yeah, I was discouraged at school today when I didn't get my math problem right or whatever. So it's really neat to see that. Um, and again, even for me as an adult, I am learning, <laughs> you know, there are many, many different emotions to, to have to learn how to be comfortable with. So 
I actually have a big sheet uh, on my countertop that just lists like 60 different names for different kinds of emotions. That's awesome. Yeah, because I think that really helps to identify, you know, um, and not just generalize, but really kind of dig into. And then like you were saying, pause and kind of think about, okay, what what do I need now, you know, to help this or just accept that, yeah, right now I'm feeling really forlorn or whatever. The yeah, other. whatever, exactly, whatever it is. And, you know, it's so fascinating when you dive into the neurobiology of this kind of, of kind of stuff, when you actually get clear on what is happening emotionally and you can just sit with that without clouding it with other things, 90 seconds is all it takes mm. for that to pass and process and move, move along. So listen to that 90 seconds. 90 after. seconds is all it takes. I mean, yeah. we, we go through periods of our lives where we struggle for years with something, right? And it, and it just, uh, we, we sort of dive into it and then we get away from it and we dive into it. And, and all it really takes is just 90 seconds of focus yeah. and allowing is the big word with that, I guess, allowing that to, to pass. It's fascinating. Yeah. And I think we're just all, I like the tangent this, this conversation has taken because I think it is all, it's scary, right? Like I think that's when people try to avoid it's because they're scared to feel it, you know, or they think, but we all survive it. You know, we're not going to die from a feeling. And I think the anticipation or the avoidance of it causes so much more stress than actually just allowing it. Like you're saying, like, that's what I'm kind of finding. You know, I had once I've just allowed it and feel it, it goes through, like you saying that 90 seconds are so much faster than it would if I was trying to push it away, push it away or deny it. And then that just made it um, even more painful for me in the long run. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I think one of the, one of the reasons now, now that we talk about this, um, one of the reasons that I have sort of, my, my practice has, has taken this bent into, uh, you know, the, the emotional wellness and coaching around this kind of stuff is I have always been ever, even as a young person, I find that I have always been comfortable with other people's discomfort. Mm. So I think part of being a coach with this kind of work is being able to hold a clean anchor space for people to have this, whatever it is, you know, without, um, what's the word, I guess, disrupting it with our own discomfort. You know, if someone's having a, a crying meltdown or, you know, whatever it happens to look like, we as coaches, you know, ideally will be able to just be with that and not mess with it. Because I think societally, you know, there's this thing where like, oh, feeling bad is, is, is bad. You know, we have to stop that. And you try to comfort someone and get them to feel better, right? And oh, it'll be okay. And I'm going to talk you out of this bad feeling. That's not really what we need. A hundred percent. And that I think is such a special gift that you have as a coach, because most people are not comfortable holding that space for other people, really are not, because again, they're not comfortable feeling those own, their own feelings, 
So they are not able then to hold the space for someone else because we are just taught that, oh, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Time will heal out, you know, whatever. Yeah. All these sayings that we have that really is not helping that person in the moment at all. The most important gift, like you're saying, is just to hold a safe space for them and then they are able to release it. So I really love, I think that's actually really beautiful because it's really, really important for people um, as part of their healing journey. And a good reason people probably do seek out a therapist or a coach, someone that is able to provide that because most likely their partner or family members aren't able to do that. So I do think that's really, really important. And I feel like anger is one of those things. I've been thinking a lot about anger recently. And I think that emotion, especially people do not know what to do with. It's it's scary to see other people express anger, I think. Um, I think it triggers people. And that is an emotion that we all need to experience and feel. I know when I get angry, that's one emotion that I try to like shut down right away. Like, oh, I can't be angry. You know, that's not what, you know, a good person does. And now, you know, I've gone to, I dance it out a lot if I'm feeling stressed, but now I've started screaming it out, which I really recommend as a way to release that anger, scream into a pillow, you know, scream inside your house or whatever, but don't be afraid of, of that emotion. It's just something that um, I'm really coming up against a lot recently and just really noticing that that in particular makes people very uncomfortable. So if you can hold space for someone that's angry, I think that's really powerful. Nice. Yeah. So sorry, we were on such a tangent, but it's so interesting because the emotions are such a huge part of this. But I'm curious about, because I know you coach people now. So talk to us more about that, how you help people, how you work with people, um, and what you have really found to be, because obviously you're very successful in helping people. So what have you found that really kind of helps people beat sugar addiction? Because it's something that is, a lot of people try and fail and try again and fail and try, you know, so it's something that I think is really, really overwhelming. I know for me, when I first started thinking about giving it up, I just didn't know how I was going to even do it. Mm -hmm. My experience has been that only a small percentage of people do well with the hundred percent cold Turkey giving up style. And I am happy that it has worked so well for you. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a great solution for you. And it is, but for a majority of the people, the 100% giving up does not jive with them. Mm-hmm. So we have to find other ways of doing that. So I like to take my style of coaching into sort of um, helping people get away from abusing food for uh, comfort or energy or convenience, right? All of these habits that are hurting them, both from a health standpoint and an emotional standpoint. And so I have found that most people can reach a point in their lives where they can still eat some foods that are not good for them, but it doesn't tip them into the 
unhealthy places emotionally, or it does not, it's done in a way that is much more intentional and controlled so that it doesn't have the negative health ramifications long-term. So that is, uh, I told you earlier on in our talk that I'm a big picture guy. So the big picture that I typically go with is not abstinence and learning how to 100% give up or stay away from never again kind of mentality, but working with you know, how someone has been going about things so far and let's start to work with that and kind of start to steer the bus in a different direction so that you know six months from now we end up in a totally different place than where the bus was headed uh in the first place so that's my my big picture kind of thing um thank and you for asking about that different for everybody you know like um i think that's what's so important in the message i try to say over and over again like you mentioned for me yeah abstinence worked and i went i had to go i'm all or nothing so i had to go 100 percent cold turkey and that for me was way easier than moderating ever was but that's for me and me right. as an individual. It's not going to work for everybody. And even, um, even people that are abstinent can be abstinent in so many different ways. So that's what I always encourage is find the way that works for you that's sustainable. You know, yeah. that is the answer to this is find something that you can sustain because that's the only way you're going to continue to be free. So even people that, like you're saying, most people that are only... Um, are able to do some kind of moderation and don't need to be a hundred percent, that still is going to look different for all those people too, you know, <laughs> like, so it's really hard. I think not to compare ourselves to other people. I mean, I did that a lot in the beginning, like, oh my gosh, they don't eat grains and I'm eating grains. And I, you know, like you get so <laughs> right the details, like they eat fruit. I don't, you know, or I don't eat fruit or whatever, nuts, you know, all the things I got like so stressed about, but then I had to really just push that out of my mind and be like, yeah, that's works for them or it doesn't work for them. That doesn't matter. I need to focus on what's going to work for me. And yeah. yeah. And that's I, am, I am so glad that you brought that up because you said it so perfectly. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. And I would like to put a spin on that to get people's wheels turning in their head. Um, it is so common for people to be seeking a solution Right. And so their focus is all about what does this plan look like? What does that plan look like? You know, it's all about uh, what things look like in the versions of the plan. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to challenge everyone who is listening to flip that and start start with what is happening with you. Right. And then once we talk a little bit about what's going on with you and what you've been doing historically, then we can figure out like what kind of a plan and techniques and toolbox is going to is going to work to make this better. I don't like to start with, okay, here's the, you know, here's the strategy before we even get into what's actually happening inside somebody's head and heart. Yeah, because then it's not personalized for them at all. And yeah. And so, uh, you know, folks do it. The internet is, is filled with different plans and programs. And people, you know, people can certainly just try to plug into this and plug into that and try this and try that. And there's nothing wrong with the experimentation. But the problem with that is, you know, there's 10,000 things out there that you can try. And unless you do the examination and investigation first, you're not going to have any direction. You're just randomly trying stuff to see if it works. 
totally. And I like to get away from the it yeah. and get, you know, start with the person. So I, I start every relationship with somebody. I like to get on the phone or a zoom call and just talk for a while and just see like, you know, what is going on and see if, uh, you know, if a, if we're right for each other and B, I get a sense of, uh, you know, what someone's struggles are and the details of their specific situation. And then after uh, a little bit of getting to know each other like that, then I get a sense of like, oh, okay, so we probably need to take things in this direction or that direction. or And, and that's how I go about uh, my work with folks. I love that because yeah, I think a lot of people in the beginning want just like a diet. I get asked that all the time. Can I have yeah. your exact meal plan? And it's like, it's not about the meal plan <laughs> at all. And that's why I don't even like to like tell people, like I, I do talk about what I eat, but I don't like to really like focus on that because it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, because it's what, it doesn't help. It's what works for me. Um, so yeah, I think that's really, really important. And, you know, there's so many, I used to buy like a new diet book, like every month, because I thought that would be the one, you know, that's the one exactly. This is the one that's going to fix me or whatever. And really what, you know, I'm sure those books worked for that person that wrote it. And that's why they get so excited because they want to share this worked for me. So it's going to work for you too. But no, it worked for them. You have to find your own little tweaking of it to make it, to make it work for you. So I love that you take that time to talk to your clients ahead of time to really understand who they are what they're struggling with. And then you can kind of, I'm sure you see patterns and themes all the time where you're like, okay, this is the direction, <laughs> you know, we need yeah, to. Yeah, you get a few thousand clients under your belt and you start to recognize <laughs> some, some habits and patterns. So that's, that's for sure. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you were talking about the meal plan mm -hmm. and it had something pop into my head that I want to share with the, with the listeners right now. Um, the biggest thing about diets and meal plans and whatever kind of system that you may find that works for you is that when there's intentionality, that's the big thing, right? The biggest problem that most people I encounter have is being intentional versus reactive when it comes to food. So regardless of what your intentionality looks like, whether you are 100% sugar-free or gluten-free or doing keto or paleo or like whatever version of food that you, you know, find that you like and works well for you, it's all about the intentionality of planning and having some guide rails and framework around how you eat most of the time versus stress and anxiety and reactive eating. So what we have to do as people who are healing and want to be better is we have to deal with the stress and anxiety and reactive part. Because if we don't, then it doesn't matter what the plan looks like, right? Any one of the 10,000 plans may or may not work temporarily, but we keep going back to the faulty, hurtful habits of stress and anxiety and reactive eating until we learn how to do something different. So it's not about the plan. It's about, you know, getting in touch with and starting to get a handle on why we've been doing what we've been doing. And then we can worry about what the plan should be. Yeah, because people listening can definitely, you know, 
I'm sure like have had that experience where they find a plan that works for a little while, you know, two weeks, a month, awesome. Mm -hmm. And then life happens and then they have that stress reaction and it just is all out the window. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's exactly right. The plan isn't the, isn't the key here. <laughs> that's the, you know, the classic example of the all or nothing thinking. Either I am on a plan or I am not. And I'm on a plan 100% until I, you know, something happens and I don't. And then I'm not on a plan and then I'm off the rails, you know. Mm -hmm. And that roller coaster of madness is what is so frustrating and stressful and overwhelming for people. Oh, I've read that roller coaster for 20 plus years. Yeah, totally, you know, and then lose a little bit of weight and then gain twice as much back, you know, like it was, and it, yeah, it is exhausting. And that was really kind of one of my big motivating factors of why was I was tired of that roller coaster and being so up and down and it's exhausting. So how do you help people, you know, with when you, you know, we're talking now that stress is such a big part of this. Um, what are some of the tools that you help people learn and maybe what, you know, help them kind of dig in and examine about themselves that can help kind of shift this. Behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, as a big, I, sh I should probably put out my official disclaimer. I am not a mental health professional, so I am completely unqualified for everything. <laughs> um, that being said, I think that um, the very first and primary, well, do me a favor again. Uh, would you ask me the question one more time? Because something in the way that you said it uh, gave me. I hope I can ask it the same way. Yeah, I was just wondering how you how you work with clients to help them realize. You know, basically, it's not the plan, but how you help them deal with their stress. Uh, yes, yes, right. Dealing with the stress and anxiety. That's what yeah. got me to my disclaimer, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. Um, I think. <laughs> One of my superpowers that I'm very grateful for is reality check. Mm. So very often what will happen is I'll be on the phone with a new person and we will have a lengthy conversation about all the things that are going on in his or her mind and life experience. And then I will summarize that in a sentence or two and I'll say, oh my God, it sounds so simple when you say it that way. <laughs> so, so sort of dialing down to doing a reality check, you know, breaking through all of the uh, stress and overwhelm and the swirling that goes around in people's heads. It's, it's so, so often, it's so hard for us to find any clarity or focus or groundedness when we're stuck in something, right? We, we need an outside set of eyes and ears to sort of help us find like the truth and the, and the reality of what's going on. So that is a big piece of how I assist people with some of the stress and anxiety management. If we can sort of dial in a couple simple, truthful statements, then it's like, oh, okay. A little reality check is, you know, in our face then. And that, uh, that is a great tool for, for starters because it helps calm everything down. It takes away the swirl and the overwhelm and the confusion and all of that. So clarity, I guess, is the word. Reality check and clarity. 
Oh, I think those are huge. Just like, you know, another superpower of yours is going to be holding that space for somebody. And then it sounds like, you know, to be able to do this reality check and clarity is also just being a really good listener and being able to kind of just, yeah, dial it down for people. This is what you're, this is what I'm hearing. And I think, yeah, that's so empowering for people because it's just like, uh, that's like their aha moment. Like, yes, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we can get so hung up in all the details about, you know, like what's happening and what things look like and what we've done in the past and what's going on right now. And these are all details, you know, that's not a big picture thing. It's not a foundation thing. So if we can sort of dial it down into uh, a very simple statement or two about what is actually going on you know, the reality check, the clarity, um, that's the launching point for, okay, so this is what's happening. Now we can work from there. So pretend, you know, you and I, you know, I'm, you and I have just had this conversation. I'm a prospective new client. You know, you give me the reality check. I am like, yes, Dan, you get it. <laughs> you know, like 100%, let's do this. What, how do you proceed then? So in case people are listening and are interested in working with you, Talk a little bit about your coaching program, um, you know, like how, how often you meet, or I don't know if that's kind of customized to each person, but kind of how you support people. Um, we customize a lot of stuff because my main goal is, uh, you know, I want to do what is best for people and I want to make sure that they get what they need. So I, fortunately, I'm in a place in my career where I can pretty much do whatever I want. So, you know, if I want to structure something differently and customize something for someone, I will certainly do that. But I suppose sort of a typical way that I go about things would be um, to do a four-week block up front. And we'll do some one-on-one um, -on -one calls, either by telephone or by Zoom. Um, in that four-week block, I will do any um, of the toolbox stuff as far as food goes, whether they need, you know, meal plans, uh, custom uh, custom meal plan designs, those, those types of things. Any of my books that they need, they get that for free. Any of my online programs that they need, they get for free. Basically with that four week block, um, I wanna make sure they have everything that they need to really get the, over the first hump. And then after the four week block, and that's usually about how much time it takes. It's a, that's pretty average time. After that four week block, then we reassess and sort of decide what is best for people moving forwards. And uh, something that is common with that is after the more intensive work, um, I sort of have a, a daily accountability system where um, people will either answer simple yes or no question, or they'll email me their food journal for the day, or they'll report to me, you know, any of the maybe stress management or anxiety things that we've been working on. They'll report to me every day, you know, like what happened and what they did and that kind of stuff. So it's just a way to kind of stay in touch. And we generally do that by email as opposed to um, putting a, a call on the calendar. That's what gets expensive is, is uh, getting a spot on my calendar. <laughs> but the email coaching is, is much more, uh, is very affordable. And uh, it's a great way to help stay on track, you know, just having that accountability and motivation and, and touching base every day. Yeah. So that in general is kind of how it, how it works. Yeah. And so do you work primarily then with people individually, one-on-one? -on -one? Do you do any? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, many of my colleagues have 
groups like Facebook groups and stuff like that. And, and people seem to love it. And it works great to have that sort of, um, you know, group camaraderie and accountability. And I love it. I just don't do that myself because um, it seems like the results that I get with people are really with the one-on-one -on -one work. Mm -hmm. So that's where I put my, my time and effort. Yeah. I do have a Facebook page, but I just, there's just not a lot going on there. Yeah. And then you mentioned, so what other, can you talk to us about some of your other books besides the um, Beating Sugar Addiction for Dummies? Sure. I've got a new one coming out that's going to be all about the emotional eating and the uh, stress management. So I haven't decided what I'm going to call that yet, but, uh, but that'll be uh, coming out. Well, I should say eventually. <laughs> if you want a notification, go to drop me a note uh, at uh, beatingsugaraddiction.com. Just drop me an email. I'd be happy to put you on the notification list if you're interested in, uh, in the upcoming book. I have a children's book called Princess Wiggly. Oh. And Princess Wiggly teaches children the importance of uh, exercise and healthy eating. You know I want, I'm going to be ordering that one up right after this. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do I have? I have a, a, um, a breakfast recipe book called Breakfast Express. Oh, cool. And um, I had found that very often people's reason for not eating breakfast is they don't have time. Yeah. So this is fast, healthy breakfast in 10 minutes or less. The whole book is about that. Everything's 10 minutes or less. Love that. And I already want to get you on the calendar for another interview when your book comes out. So sign me up for that because I'd love for you to come back on and talk about your, your latest book once it's time for that. Thanks. Um, and then also you mentioned some programs. Do you have online programs too? Is that another way people work with you? Or? I do have an online program called Sugar Free Me. And it is basically a, uh, a done for you program of uh, video and written material that kind of walks people through the basic process of how to eat less sugar. So if you are not interested in um, you know, talking with me or if you want to sort of do a self-directed uh, program that goes through the, the material, uh, sugarfreeme.online. And then is that um, like eight week course or is there a certain amount of weeks or just kind of as people at their own pace? At their own pace. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a really different, uh, Yeah, like different modules and chapters and you just go through it as you as you need to, or as you can. And is it something once you have access to, you can revisit it as often as you need to? Right. right. Once you have access to the material, it is yours forever. Yeah. I think that's really nice for people to have these, you know, different options because, you know, some people really need that one-on-one -on -one help and other people might be able to do those self-directed type or, or want that at first. It's just kind of take their own pace get familiar with it. And then they might say, Oh, Dan, I need some one-on-one -on -one time now too. So sure. happens all the time. Yeah. It's nice to have those options. Well, I am so grateful that we got to talk today. Really can't believe the time's up and I've really enjoyed our conversation. Would love to have you back for sure. I feel like there's so many other things we could talk about. Um, and I'll make sure to kind of link all your information, how people can get in touch with you. That will all be in the episode notes so they can reach out to you. But also, is there anything, you know, maybe that we didn't get to today that you wanted to mention? I know we kind of went on some tangents, 
or any just kind of um, takeaways for that you want to leave for people today? I think if, uh, if I could do one takeaway for everybody, the most important thing when it comes to emotional eating is to understand how you need to go from reactive eating to intentional eating. That is the biggest picture that there is. When you can do that on a regular basis, you are out of the woods. I think that is so, so true. Um, and took me a while to get there. So. <laughs> it's some work. It is not a, uh, you know, five, five easy payments of 11.95 and in three weeks, you are the magically the, a different person. It, it does, it takes some work and some, uh, some effort and introspection. So it, it's not necessarily easy, but it is totally worth it. Totally worth it. And it's like, I, I like to tell people it's continuing, you know, even now I still, I, I continue to work at it. You know, it's something that I think it gets easier and easier, but it's also important to just kind of keep in mind. Yeah. Cause you're, it, it's going to evolve over time. So, and then I like to look at it. It's kind of fun. It's become this whole experiment and it's kind of interesting once you can get curious about why you work the way you work and yeah. So mm -hmm, for well, sure again so much for talking with us today it's been a pleasure it has been really nice to talk with you siobhan thank you for asking me to come on your show thank you so much for listening have a great day and remember life is so much sweeter without sugar